Welcome to the Not Status Quo Politics Podcast. I am your host, Brian Roth, and stoked to be delivering the first episode of the Not Status Quo Politics Podcast. This is not your typical political podcast where if you're a Republican, you spend the time bashing the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you spend time bashing Republicans. We're going to bash both. We're going to talk about primarily about the political system and why the political system doesn't work for most of us. It works for a few. It works for the people that are part of the system. But if you're not part of the political system, which most people are not, then it doesn't work for us. We're going to talk about that. So if you're looking for current events or current political things, hey, there's plenty of people, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, conservative, progressive, you can get all that on talk radio and other podcasts. That's not going to be our focus here. Our focus here is going to be talking about the political system. What is it? How should it work? Why it's not working the way it is? And how can it be fixed? I do believe it can be fixed. Some people may disagree with me and think, the system is too broken. You just can't fix everything. I believe it can be, but it isn't going to fix itself. There's going to have to be people that want to fix it, people that are willing to go into the system, but don't want to be part of the system if we're ever going to fix it. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, before I start that, I probably should tell you who I am. My name is Brian Roth. I'm not a former politician. I have attempted to run for one political office in my life. In 2020, I tried to get on the ballot as a Republican, to run for governor of Indiana. You say, why would you run for governor if you've never run for any other political office? Because that's where I felt I could have the biggest impact and where my skill set was best suited. I didn't make it. I didn't get on the ballot. So you could say, well, you were wrong. Fair enough. I'll give you that. But I did learn a lot about the political system. I did feel a lot of the frustration from the people when I was out there talking to them. People feel the pressure they feel the weight of the political system squeezing every aspect of their lives, and they're getting tired of it. During the last couple of months, during this COVID-19 crisis, we've really felt it. There's a lot of people out there that talk about leadership, as I do. There's a lot of people in the last two months that have really tried to explain what does it look like to lead in a crisis. I don't believe leadership in a crisis is any different than leadership any other day of the week. To me, leadership principles are leadership principles. You can apply them effectively regardless of the environment that you're trying to apply them in. What I do think happens in a crisis is our bad behavior is uncovered. Our bad behavior bubbles to the surface because it was, it was muted or it was hidden because things were pretty good. And so I think we felt or we've seen or both the bad behavior of the government over the last few months during COVID-19, and that's the political system. That's the weight of the political system that's always there, but because there's a crisis going on now, you feel it even more. You see the bad behavior front and center every day in a lot of our states, and I live in Indiana, in a lot of our states where the political system is not behaving the way we would want it to as the people, nor is it behaving in a way that the founders, I think, designed it to function. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I guess a little more about me. I grew up in a small town in Indiana, spent 22 years in the Navy, some of that on active duty, some of that in the reserves, left that um, and went into the civilian power world, did that for a while. Now I own, my wife and I own a leadership consulting company called Employment to Deployment. 
We have a podcast called The Leadership Playground that is all things leadership, but politics is something that's important to me, and you'll understand why when I talk about systems, how I think about these things. So I wanted to kind of talk about politics, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, about weekly, about 30 minutes. Uh, we'll have some guests periodically, probably the first uh, month or two. It'll just be me talking about the system to lay some groundwork and some background, and then we'll get some guests on here per- periodically, hopefully some people that are that are part of the political system that we can have a good debate with, and then other people that may be in the political system or in the government that are not part of the system, so we can talk to them as well. So that's what we're going to do. Hopefully that's good. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Hope you will subscribe. Hope you'll come back every week and listen to what else we're talking about. But let's really just kind of jump into this. So let's start with what is a system? I guess full disclosure, I do have a physics degree, so I think in terms of processes and systems a lot. So when I think of a system, I think of it as just two or more processes, people or organizations focused on a common outcome or a common output. That's a system. You might in the power industry, we always talked about, you know, a system is a, is a series of processes, which it is. I think it's two or more processes, people, or organizations, and they're focused on delivering something common. In other words, it's not two or more people doing separate things or doing different things. It's two or more people trying to get someplace that is maybe better than where they currently are. I believe our existence on planet earth is governed by systems systems such as the family the family system church or the religious system government or the political system the education system the business system the media system the entertainment system those things we interact with routinely maybe not every day but routinely and those are the systems that govern our existence so if you could take a mental picture We want the family system, the religious system, the government system, the education system, the business system, all those things to be vertically aligned. They all have a specific function, they have a specific design, and they should be delivering that design. They interact with each other, but not one of them holds power over any of the other ones. They're equally important, in other words. But since the political system decided it didn't want that, and it decided to sit on top of the other systems and squeeze them, we now have to realign it again. Otherwise, as a parent, you're going to continue to feel like your ability to parent is being pulled away, that the political system is trying to tell you how to raise your kid. Now, I'm not going to get into whether I believe in vaccinations or don't in this podcast, but that's an example Parents that have legitimate reasons why they don't want their child vaccinated are really seen as second-class citizens. Can't send your kid here, can't do this. It's in essence like the political system is saying, you're a bad parent because you've chosen not to vaccinate your kid. In other words, we, the political system, know more than you do about how to parent your kids. That's just one example, but parents feel it all the time. Churches, churches feel it all the time. Look, we see it in COVID-19. Most states have in their constitutions words like, you know, the government can't stop us from assembling together. Certainly we have the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. Yet churches haven't decided not to meet during COVID-19 because it's the best thing for their people. Many churches decided not to meet during COVID-19 because the government told them they couldn't. 
You might say, well, there's a fine line there. It's not a fine line in my mind. There's a very thick line in my mind. I have no problem with the church saying the best thing for us is to do online church. I have a huge problem with the church saying we're not meeting because the government told, the governor told us we couldn't or the government told us we couldn't. Why? The system is squeezing, squeezing that religious system. In the state of Indiana, I think it's even more egregious because the Indiana State Department of Health has the ability, given to them by the legislature, has the ability to stop worship services. It's not even the governor. This is the Indiana State Department of Health. They can, in the case of an epidemic or a pandemic, they're the ones that can say, you, church, you can't meet. It's kind of mind-blowing to me, but that's the way it is in the state of Indiana, and I'm not necessarily blaming the Indiana State Department of Health. It's the legislature that's given them that. I think the legislature doesn't know what they did, and certainly they're figuring it out now because of this pandemic. But that's how it's set up in the state of Indiana. So, again, those are just examples of how it squeezes us. How does it squeeze us? Primarily by writing laws. Writing laws, or, or worse, having bureaucratic departments create rules. Again, the state of Indiana tried this with the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in the state of Indiana, where instead of the legislature passing a law to change something on the driver's license, the governor knew that wouldn't happen, so we just tried to have the Bureau of Motor Vehicles write a rule to change it. Unelected officials writing rules that squeeze our lives. That's what I mean when I say the political system is sitting on top of these other systems and they're squeezing the systems. Okay, so let's define, we define system as two or more processes, people, or organizations focused on a common outcome. Now, I'm going to define the political system the way I do, and I'm going to give you a couple other definitions. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica and Dictionary.com, just so you understand maybe what mainstream thinking is on political system versus what I think it is. I define the political system as the coordinated effect of elected officials, government employees, organizations, donors, and lobbyists working for the benefit of the people. That's what the political system was designed to do. It's designed to be the coordinated effect of elected officials, government employees, organizations, donors, and lobbyists working for the benefit of the people. I didn't say that's what it is today. I said that's what it was designed to be. What it has become is the coordinate effect of elected officials, government employees, and organizations, donors, and lobbyists working for the benefit of the few. I'm going to kind of break that apart here in a minute. Encyclopedia Britannica calls the political system the set of formal legal institutions that constitute a government or a state. Dictionary.com defines the political system as a coordinated set of principles, laws, ideas, and procedures relating to a particular form of government or the form of government itself. There's lots of definition about political system, but what I believe the political system has become is this coordinated effect. What does that mean, the coordinated effect? It is a system. So I do think the political system, this coordinated effect of elected officials, government employees, organizations, donors, and lobbyists, they are working toward a common outcome. The common outcome, though, is to benefit them or is to keep the political system in power. That's the benefit of the few. Now, let me just take a step back. I'm not saying every elected official, every government employee, every organization, every donor, every lobbyist is part of the political system. 
there are people that are working in the political system that are not part of the political system. Unfortunately, those people are very few. Most people that go into the political system get swallowed up by the system. Elected officials oftentimes run for office with, with their intentions are pure. They, they want to support the people. They want to do what's right for their constituents. And then they get in there and somebody says, hey, if you want this position on this committee, then, hey, you better vote for this. And they go, well, I don't think that's in the best interest of my constituents. But then they have this real dilemma. Well, do I vote the way I think my constituents want, which is what they elected me to do, or do I want this committee position? And, well, but if I, if I get the committee position, I can actually help my constituents more. So maybe I should vote the way they want, even though that's not the way my constituents want, so that I can get this committee position. And they start to justify their bad behavior. They get the committee position. They don't vote the way you want them to. And in essence, they've now started the process of becoming a part of the political system. They didn't start out that way, but that's the way they end up. Many, many people, it happens to many, many people. Why? Because the system is big and powerful and it will swallow you up. How do we fight against it? We'll get there. Probably won't get there today. We'll get there. So that's the coordinated effect. The coordinated effect is that the, this group or this political system is working for their benefit, not the benefit of the people, but for their benefit. Then I say elected officials, government employees. It's not just elected officials. Again, not every elected official is part of the system. Most of them are. It's not every government employee. A lot of government employees become part of the system because they work in the system for so many years. It's, it's no different than any other aspect of our life. When we do something the same way over and over and over again, it becomes the way we do it. And so whether it's the right thing to do or not becomes less important. It's just what we do. So many government employees, because they've done it for so long, become part of the system. The system wants us to function like this. That's the way we function. Organizations, donors, lobbyists, same thing. Again, I'm not saying every lobbying organization is doing things simply for the system or for themselves, but many do. Same with donors, same with organizations. A lot of organizations are donating to elected officials because they know the benefit they will get. Not the benefit the people will get, but the benefit they will get. Again, they're working for the benefit of the few. Few doesn't mean two or three. Few might be hundreds of thousands of people, but we have 360 million people in the United States. So um, so that's the political system. Okay, That's the way I define the political system. So why doesn't it work for most people? Well, it doesn't work for most people simply by the way we defined it. It's because the system was working for its benefit, not for our benefit. Abraham Lincoln, at the end of the Gettysburg Address, I I'm not as good in history as I should be. I think it was the last line. He said this phrase, which we off, often repeat, and that is that we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Now, you might say, well, Brian, you don't understand civics. You don't understand government because that sounds like he was saying in the United States we have a democracy. We don't. Democracy comes from the Greek word demos, D-E-M-O-S. It just means the common people. 
that's not what Lincoln was saying, nor is not what I'm saying. I do believe that we should have the mentality of a government of the people, by the people, for the people. I recognize we have a representative republic. But we should be thinking all the time, whether we're part of the political system or not, we should always be thinking about the people. Not about the few, but the people. If we don't always think about the people, then that phrase becomes a government of the few, by the few, for the few. That's the political system as I defined it. The coordinated effect of these elected officials, government employees, organizations, donors, and lobbyists is to address the few. Of the few, by the few, for the few. That's the current political system that I'm saying can be changed if we want to change it. If we don't want to change it, it's going to continue on. It won't change itself. So I don't think Lincoln was saying we have a democracy, nor am I saying we have a democracy. I recognize the difference between a democracy and a representative republic. I, I don't want us voting on everything. I want us to elect representatives, and I want them to vote on our behalf. The problem is they don't do that because the system swallows them up. I had this question asked to me a lot when I was out there trying to get on the ballot to run for governor of Indiana because I would always talk about this, exactly this. I would always talk about the system, the political system, out squeezing every aspect of our lives, pulling power and authority away. And people would say, but wait a second, I don't understand because we're electing those people, so why do you say that the system's not working for us? You elect your representatives, but it's not working for us because most of them don't go work on your behalf. They go work on the behalf of the political system. They feed the system and the system gets bigger. They feed the system, the system gets bigger. So we keep feeding the system when we, when we put these elected officials in. And quite frankly, oftentimes they don't change. I think in the U.S. Congress, there's like a 98% re-election of incumbents to the U.S. Congress. It's something crazy like that, where there's very few people that if they want to run again, get beat. Why is that? Because the people can't take on the system very effectively. The system has the money. The system has the coordination, right? I said it's the coordinated effect. They have all of that. The people generally don't. We try to organize. We try to do that. We try to get money. We try to, there's tea parties. There's other progressive organizations. It's not enough. The political system is too powerful still. And so that's why oftentimes what we do is as the people, we find one or two people we want to get rid of and we put all our effort there and we get the one or two changed, but the one or two doesn't make a significant difference in the system you know it's the old phrase you know it's, it's peeing in the ocean isn't very effective it's probably a really bad example but in other words peeing in the ocean isn't going to change the water level changing one or two elected officials isn't going to change the system there are organizations out there now that don't even try to change the system anymore they just try to teach you how to work within the system and they're good organizations but they've just thrown their hands up and said, well, the system is the system. You're not going to change. You're not going to, it's not never going to fix itself. You're not going to change it. So here's how you need to work within the system. And they're good and they do that and they help get rid of some bad elected officials periodically. And, but it's not enough. It's not enough. We need to understand the political system. We need to understand how it's supposed to interact with other systems so that we can start to try to maybe take a, a more holistic 
approach to changing the system. I'm 100% convinced we can change the system. 100% convinced. But it's not going to happen with just ones or twosies trying to do it. It's only going to happen when we, the people, decide that that really is our government. And some of that means we have to go back to what the founders thought, what the founders said. We have to go back and look at our founding document, which is not, excuse me, which is not the United States Constitution. It's actually the Declaration of Independence. That's our founding document. The Constitution is there to preserve our independence. But that Declaration of Independence is why a ragtag bunch of colonists fought the big bad British and won. So we need to go back to that document. We need to go back and look at what the founders said. We need to go back and realize when John Adams said, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to a government of any other. That's why in the Declaration of Independence it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their capital C creator with certain rights, inalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. John Adams recognized that this capital C creator, the one that put into motion human beings and the world that we live in, that person is the one that sets morality through the religious system. So why is it bad that the political system is squeezing the religious system? Because our Constitution was designed to have a strong religious system, not to have a religious system that's being squeezed by the political system. You might say, but but why is the political system, how did it get out of control? How did it become what it is today? Benjamin Franklin told us that when he said, when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of their republic. Why do people within the political system want the political system to continue to be strong? Very lucrative. They make a ton of money. There's no such thing as a poor politician anymore, I don't think. I think that one of the biggest mistakes we made was ever coming up with the job title of politician or the job description of a politician. I believe the founders expected people to go serve and then go back to their day job, not to make serving their day job. But we've made serving our day job in politics within the political system. Why? Very lucrative. When the people find they can vote themselves money, I might say it this way, when the political system finds that it can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of the republic. That's what's happening today. I'm not a doomsday guy. The end of the republic's not happening. I think we can fix the system. That's why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to encourage you to start to think differently about the political system or differently about government and recognize that you can't have a real impact. How, how are we going to have the impact? How do we start to do that? How do we start to get the political system off of the other systems? I'll just bait the hook a little bit here, and then we're going to talk about this on the next episode. But the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize that 
it's not a top-down system. In other words, organizational charts have been around since 1929. So unless you're older than whatever that is, 80-something, almost 90, I guess, um, then you've grown up with organizational charts where we're used to seeing CEO, or in the case of politics, the governor or the president at the top, and then the org chart goes down. That's just normal and natural, and we're conditioned to understand that with organizational charts. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is where does it, in the political sense, where does it put the people? It puts the people at the bottom. And that's the way most of our governments function, with the people at the bottom. We're not a government of the people, by the people, for the people, like Abraham Lincoln said. We're a top-down government organization where the governor and the legislature tells you and I what's good for us and what's bad for us. That was never the design of the government. The, government, the design of the government was to preserve our rights, our freedoms, and our liberties. That's the function of the government. Not to tell you and I how to live. Not to tell you and I what's right or wrong. We shouldn't be looking to the political system to give us moral guidance. There's a system for that. It's the church or the religious system is there to give us moral guidance, not the political system. But the political system tries to tell you and I what's right and wrong, what's moral and what's immoral, what's compassionate and what's not compassionate. An example of that in the state of Indiana, and I'll use Indiana examples because I live here, in the fall of 2019, the president told the governors, if you want refugees to come to your state, you have to opt in or opt out. In other words, he pushed that decision down, which he should, down to the states. Our governor in the state of Indiana opted in, said we'll accept refugees. In his reasoning, he said, because it's the compassionate thing to do and we're a compassionate state. He doesn't get to tell me as a resident of Indiana, what's compassionate, what's not. I don't get that from the political system. If I want to understand what compassion looks like, I look to the religious system, not the political system. He could have given a lot of reasons why he opted in, but the reason he gave, because it's the compassionate thing to do, it's not, it's not his job, it's not his authority. He doesn't have the ability to tell me or the authority to tell me as a resident of Indiana What's compassionate, what's not compassionate? Again, it's another example of the system squeezing us, sitting on us, right? Giving us more authority. They don't have it. Telling you how to raise your kids. They can't do that. Telling you what you can and can't do in your business. Can't really do that. I'm not saying they shouldn't create an even playing field. Sure, do that. But the function of the government is to preserve our freedoms, our rights, our liberties. Not to tell us how to live. But that's what it's become. It's become, because it sits on top of all these other systems. So because it sits there, it thinks it has to interject or it thinks it has to use the power it's extracted from those systems to tell those systems how to function. That's why we've seen such a outcry, I think, in the last few weeks because of COVID-19. Because we're really seeing how the political system thinks. Again, what's a crisis do? Doesn't change the way we lead. It uncovers bad behaviors. In other words, 
this COVID-19 crisis has demonstrated to most people how much power the political system has and how it's squeezing all these other systems because it's it's very visible in, a, in what it's doing. Normally, the political system is very covert in the way it squeezes the other systems. And it does it a little bit here and a little bit there that sometimes we don't even recognize it. We don't notice it like we could or should. And so we kind of just dismiss it. But during a crisis, like we're seeing now, we feel it. We see it. We see the bad behaviors. We see how the power the political system has extracted from the other systems, how bad it is and how much it really is squeezing us because they're telling you when you can leave your house and when you can't, in essence. It's kind of crazy, honestly, when you really step back and think about it. All right, listen, I could keep going. I know I'm going to, I'm going to stop because uh, I said I keep this at about 30 minutes and we're at 30 minutes. Hey, thanks for listening. I am Brian Roth, and this is the Not Status Quo Politics Podcast. You can reach out to me at Brian, that's B-R-I-A-N, Brian at BrianRoth.org. Send me an email if you're interested in um, me coming to speak to your organization. Shoot me a note. I'm sure we can work something out. Hey, have a great week. Uh, we'll talk next week, and God bless. Thank <laughs> you.